time seeing are these robots reactively just going blah all the time. That's that's all I see these days. It's getting quite nihilistic, actually. Uh, walking yeah. around at the moment. You're getting you are nihilistic. <laughs> no, 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 there's anything wrong with it. But but it also it's it's interesting when you see it in yourself too, right? So okay, we're giving these guys a hard time, but you know we do it as well. And um, yeah, just the amount of effort that you have to put into even just a little bit of little bit of change is, you know, it's it's something else. That's for sure. I mean, the I mean, just sitting on a, I'm just going to say quickly, sitting on a on a zafu for ten hours a day. You're just assaulted. You're assaulted by everything, and you're just going, "Shit, this is this is what's normally happening." Like, and I'm just stopped now, so I'm just seeing it all come up. But fuck me, like, like so we are people, out of control. So out for control. people, if people are listening to this, Alex has just been on. Uh, you've been what staring at a wall for the last seven days, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Session, you've been st- Zen. Why Session. have you been staring yeah. at a wall, and what got you into first staring at walls as a hobby? <laughs> Uh, well, um, you know, uh, I, I caught myself at a, at a young age drooling and staring at a wall. So I thought, why not formalize it? No, I, I so, so yeah, I, I, you know, I practice Soto, Soto Zen. Um, I've been with, well, I've been learning from one guy for a, a very long time now. And uh, part of, part of Soto Zen, even as a, a lay practitioner, I guess you could say is that you go on extended retreats or you can, you don't have to, but a lot of people do as a way to deepen your practice. And there's, there's really two reasons that you do it. The, the first reason is because you want to see what's going wrong. And if you do it for 40 minutes a day or <clears throat> two 20 minute sessions, it's, it's not necessarily obvious, but if you sit there for 10 hours a day, then what you're doing wrong, you know, really fucking becomes obvious. And, so and the, the other to reason, tie it back to what we just we just were talking about is so instead of seeing all the mad reactivity and annoying things on the internet and on Twitter or whatever, when you're sitting in a cushion for ten hours on your own, you begin to see your own shit over and over and how it's all mm. just happening to you at a deeper, yeah. more basic level that is also happening to everybody else before they even get to Twitter and start reacting on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, we got we got no idea. We got no idea. So, 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 um, and just quickly, the, the other reason is because you, know, you want to deepen your practice and you get into deeper states having doing it for, you know, that, that long, but yeah, that, that's what becomes obvious to you. And when, when people get, they get real pissy when, when I say that we are essentially selfless, like this, um, this reactivity that we internalize and we call a self because that's, that's what we think of the self that's what it is people get the shits with that because it's one of their most dearly held things but but if if you do sit down for that long then then you notice really what that is what that sense of self is and and mostly it is reaction there's not even really a continuity of self there there's similar patterns similar ways of doing things obviously but what, the way we think of a self is this constant, stable thing that lives in a bubble beyond or, or beyond outside of space and time and pulls levers and makes us act 
in space and time. That's a complete fantasy, just a complete and utter fantasy. And if you, you spend a bit of time on, on uh, uh, in, in seated meditation, that becomes immediately obvious. Uh, in particular, like what I mean by that is, okay, so you'll sit down on the couch, um, you'll have all sorts of thoughts come up about what you were doing before, about what's going to happen uh, in the future. Uh, so temporal notions, I guess you could say, things that we're thinking about in terms of past, present, and future. You will be assailed by this. like, And it, you're not making it happen. It's just coming at you from somewhere, just just going bang, 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 like just in, within the, the scope of your awareness. It's coming out everywhere. And then on top of that, you have uh, sensations and emotions. You have emotional states. Um, you have feelings. Uh, you, you just, you are being assaulted by things that are absolutely uh, not generated by what you consider yourself to be. And, and this is the big thing. So you're not making any of this shit happen. You're reacting to it or you're grabbing a hold of it. And in the act of a grab, grabbing a hold of it, then you, you create this illusion that it's you doing the thing. And that's what most of us mistake self but it also means that because this is what's happening you you're not generating any of this and all of this stuff is just happening beneath the surface of what is in your conscious purview and that's not immediately obvious to most people because they never sit down and look at it which is what mindfulness is like you're just sitting there going this is what's happening these are the patterns that i'm i'm noticing so then of course yeah you have um uh, you know, it'll be like, I, I thought of stuff that I'd never thought since the thing happened from like when I was five years old, like things that just come up. Like, so, so you'll be sitting there and like, you'll be in a good, good pattern of concentration and doing your method. And then bang, like you, this fucking thought will come up usually associated with a feeling. So the feeling or the sensation typically comes up first. So it could be a feeling of heat or, you know, some weird sensation. And um, like, it'll just be a memory from like, I don't know, this time you punched a kid in the playground when you were three or something. You're like, what is the point of thinking of this? Why is this coming up? It's, it's totally bizarre. So where is that coming from? Why is that coming up? I didn't fucking think of that. So typically we'd say, well, this is what I thought of. I just, I just remembered this. That's nonsense. It just came up and you're, you've just done what you've done with it. So, so all these things are happening to you. And, um, you know, it's, it's incredible the extent to which this occurs, the reactivity. And this is true reactivity. Of course, the, the other element to it is when, when you're sitting and you have pain, this is another physiological element, I think, of sitting. So, you know, people sitting still, and we can get, get to this in a little bit more detail later, but when you sit still for a long time, you have all these aches and pains that come up. And probably because I've been working a lot and I haven't been on really focusing on uh, my posture and uh, the integrity of my body all that much lately, I, I got this incredible uh, bout of pain in my traps. And I think it could be 
something to do with the, the the posture work as well stretching muscle out and you know stuff like that but um <clears throat> so it was searing it was a searing nerve pain and it wasn't there immediately it only came up maybe after a couple of 40 minute sessions on the first day and then uh, it just was unbearable and in zen you've got to sit still that's the whole thing sitting still and not moving and this pain just got worse and worse and worse as it does as anyone who's done a retreat will tell you and every fiber in your being is telling you that i need to move i need to you know move out of this position because that's what's causing the pain this position and it just intensifies the pain along with the pain you have all sorts of feelings in the body you have uh, thoughts that come up because of the pain and it totally destroys your ability to concentrate that is until you turn your attention around onto the pain so you ignore the drive towards reactivity you turn your attention towards the pain and you just look at it and, and what's very interesting about about pain in particular in zen meditation and probably this is the case all the time is when you look at it so when i started to really focus on the nerve pain i i kind of watch it and first of all what you notice is it's not stable so it's constantly moving so it feels like the pain is in one area and it's constantly moving around so you'll feel like one little i guess a fiber fire up and then it'll move to another bit then it'll move to another bit within that area and it's impermanent in that sense, right? So it's like everything else. It's just flashing into existence, then it's passing away again. The other thing about pain is like, what is pain? So you can ask yourself the question, what is the thing that is experiencing pain? What is, what is the thing that's experiencing pain? What, what even is the pain? How do I know that pain hurts? Like, what is hurt? What, what, what makes pain hurt? And, and the answer I came to is what, what main, makes pain hurt is your reaction to pain. Because the funny thing is when you don't react to it and you just watch it, guess what happens? It just fucking goes away. So, so as soon as I got to that point, I hadn't moved at all. And I, I did this exercise of just watching it. It just went. And I didn't have it for the rest of the time. Now, if, if you think about it, nothing had changed physiologically there's no reason why the pain should have gone away it should still be there but it was something about sitting there and and react it wants you to react everything in your body wants you to react all the time it is it is just this it is this process with that that requires reactivity and that reactivity is not within your purview your conscious purview and it's not in your under your control in any way and, and when you do zen sitting you're short-circuiting that process and you're trying to become aware of these patterns and processes so then you can develop a little bit of free will a little bit of ability to become aware and to stop things and have that flexibility of behavior um but that you know i really mean i really mean it that reactivity is the is the the real demon I've got people on on twitter they're like oh fucking demons bro fucking demons man see it's demonic reaction is the real demon 
I'm telling you, that's the thing that makes everyone's lives shit. It's what, it, it, for sure, it's how we survive. It's not, it's not bad in and of itself. But in, in a complex civilization where we just have all these inputs, like it's so complex, the amount of information that we're bombarded with, um, and this, this feedback mechanism that uh, takes the information, that determines more of the sense data that comes in and how it's reacted to, and you just, it's this fucking circle of madness. And uh, it's no wonder everything is so fucked up. So these days, I don't see much of what ails humanity in terms of like, like a moral crisis or the wrong system or, or anything like that. I, I see us as a fairly primitive hominid with a complete inability to focus um, that is highly reactive with little or no control over changing what its reactions are. And the, the way we are now is really just par for the course. Um, it's just, just the way we are. We're not really conscious, um, in the way that we think we are. So all that becomes, you know, quite obvious when you, you examine <clears throat> all these things that are happening that are usually outside of your conscious purview, if that makes sense. That's, that's my little rant on, on what's going on. I love it. So the demon <sighs> of reactivity. Yeah. That's what it um, is. I mean, if you think about the old, well, some of the old ideas about demons anyway, they're like, they're getting you to do, uh, you know, like the idea was they were encouraging people or creating mischief for people. So people were doing, you know, um, immoral things or or things that were bad for them or whatever, uh, destructive things. So those, that's all can be classified under reacting. Uh, react, yeah. uh, automated reactions to things, not doing, letting yourself just react and do something, uh, going along with doing something that's just a reactive behavior rather than intervening and consciously deciding not to do that and to do something else. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it is, in that way, it is the original demon. Um, you are not, um, it, it's, it's anti conscious behavior, is basically it is. what it is. It uh, it, it's uh, just quickly on that. This is what Hyatt meant by free space time. It's through not being reactive and developing a, like a space from which you can, you can decide how you're going to react or you, you can, you can be above the reaction because reactions are going to happen anyway, but you, you then have the space to go, well, I'm not going to react in that way. I'm going to choose, you know, one of these 10 other ways that I can do it. Sorry, the, that's the, all I wanted the, to say. The yeah. thing people are going to, like, people will react to what we're just saying and they'll say something like, yeah, but you can't be conscious of every single thing and do every single thing. Some things you need to do by reactions to survive and most things are unconscious, blah, blah, blah. Well, obviously, however, you didn't choose any of those things, so you don't need to keep, the, I mean, some reactions are will never be conscious. They're just like part of being a, a biological organism on a planet. However, a whole bunch of them can be changed uh, you didn't choose them. Some of them are useful. Some of them aren't. Some successful people are just as reactive as complete losers. They're just reacting and doing what they have to do. It just happens to be more practical and functional. Uh, their set of reactions than another person's. Um, but you can choose which. Uh, you can consciously train yourself, and it takes t- time and effort and energy to change deep behavior patterns. 
and then you don't need to, you they might start happening by themselves without you having to co like consciously do them each time after a while but you chose those re set of reactions consciously so they're not reactivity or reactions in the sense that we mean um some things are uh you don't mind some sets of reactions you have you might not want to change about yourself first <laughs> there might be other things more important to change um but uh, what I've noticed is that uh, a lot of the reactive behavior, and you can think of different like bad habits you have or whatever, or you know, lack of discipline, or you know, easily distracted, or um, vices you have, or addictions, or whatever it is, you they seem like different things all over the place, but often they're just it's the same route. It's just you're just instantly going along with what happens to. The feelings and sensations and then you just go on to you just start the pattern up uh so it really it's the same problem with a lot of stuff maybe all stuff i don't know um you have to figure out a way which means some kind of technique to train yourself to stop reacting in some uh, limited set of circumstances so you can actually do a practice where you know like if you're doing it and sitting doing a wall there's other ways you can do this too you eventually then you stop being so reactive to other things too if you're working it in the right way or the right technique and you can then follow back the chain of reactions because usually there's like a sensation uh, elicits a feeling which elicits a action to solve that feeling you know the, there, there's you have a bad feeling and then there's a discrepancy between what would make you feel good and what's happening that's making you feel bad so you've you just have this um, automated behavior you do now to try and fix that and it's usually completely dysfunctional and doesn't work for people this is why everyone has problems that they're just repeating the same problems without solving them because they haven't consciously come up with that solution sometimes mm -hmm. if these if you come to these solutions quote uh, when you're too young they're wired into you well, the half semi-permanently that are much harder to shift uh other ones you can change you just learn the, you just have to learn new concepts or a new way of understanding something and then do to do something differently and you might feel a bit bad in the beginning but then things will change and then that just feels normal um, other things can be very hard to shift if you've got if your set of reactions gave you a certain identity when you were young you know like a way of you and you i'm i'm bad i'm i'm like you just treat yourself as bad how are you going to uh change that because your entire personality is now built up about you being bad other people good or and then all these other games you play to say that they're they're actually bad and i'm the, actually good and all this dramas that you have in your head and then on top of this set of reactions then you have how you how what you say when people speak to you how you deal with conflict all these things that are way downstream of of your false sense of 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 i that you developed when you were young and this is like a this is not to mention the whole false sense of the eye that people have anyway that you're working on when you do Zen meditation or one of these things. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is amazing. Yeah, there are, it, we're kind of like an onion, right? Like we, we have so many layers and, um, you know, really all, for most people, almost all of that is, <clears throat> is other than the odd moments here or there, maybe they've drank a bit or they're talking to someone that was relevant to some of those memories, you know, and, and introspective way you know most of us have no idea what's going on uh most of the time 
but yeah, the, the challenge of, of peeling away those those layers um, requires an, an analytic ability, and very often it's it's good maybe to have someone that has been through that process to to help you with that, because some people are very talented at just pulling you to pieces, um, and you know it's what we've been talking about. Uh, seeing your character is impossible. You can only really infer it, but if, if you know someone skilled who can do that, which which is what the old psychoanalysts uh, were were doing before everything got uh, politically correct and and all this sort of nonsense. Oh, gotta feel good about what you are. You gotta feel good about it. So it's like no, <laughs> no, you don't. Like that. That's not how you get fixed. You get fixed by someone tearing you to shreds and pointing out, you know, this is what you're doing wrong. This is probably where it came from. And, uh, you know, when you, when you mix that up with, uh, you know, body work and mindfulness and, and the ability to integrate that knowledge, um, you know, I agree with you. I think you can go quite far. You can go quite deep, but it's not an easy process and it requires probably a, a higher, I don't like the word IQ, but a, some kind of IQ that most people don't have and don't have any interest in having. And that's why I'm black-pilled on the, on the species. <laughs> but it, we'll just go back quickly to um, uh, how, how maybe this, this kind of situation works a little bit. Because, you know, I, I actually put a presentation together after this, um, this retreat. And, and I put it up um, on my sub stack. It's going to be four videos, I think. Um, and I've, I've kind of, after this experience, I wanted to maybe analyze, uh, first of all, I, I wanted to put together a short course on basically the only resource you'll need for mindfulness. I think with, you know, Eastern mysticism going around and all the other things, I, I, I think that actually all of that's a bunch of commie gobbledygook, mainly. Mainly it's nonsense because you know, you don't really need much um, for this to work. It's actually quite a simple process. And I, I wanted to reinterpret it for, for Westerners and for, for particularly people like us, bio-individual practitioners. I wanted to strip away all the nonsense and, and to give something just bare bones. This is what it is. This is what's going on in our language, not in this medieval Indian language. This is what's happening. And Part of that was was this analysis of reactivity, like what what causes it, and um, I, I just wanted to to maybe go through that. So so I guess when you meditate, what what you really notice is really all we are all up uh, our our uh, our senses. We have five senses um, plus six, I guess, if you want to include what's going on up top. And we receive all this uh, sense data <clears throat> that comes in through our senses. Um, and that ends up as like a, a sensation in the body, right? Like uh, a sensation of the data that's coming in, in, in one way or another, this, this energy that's coming into our, our organism. And, and most of that is, is unconscious. Uh, some will be conscious. It'll be in our conscious purview when it when it happens. Um, some senses are more obvious than others at different times. Obviously, our sense of sight is very powerful usually. 
Um, and then once once it's hit the body and it's it's become these sensations and various other things, I think that it then um, the data and the sense the sensations and it being in the, the the unconscious and the conscious, it goes through this process of, of differentiation. It gets differentiated. Um, this makes sense from a, a survival point of view, because you want, for example, you want spatial differentiation. So, so you want uh, to be able like, to identify forms in the environment. So, if you're in a Kalahari bushman and you, you know, you're about to uh, go out hunting, you, I guess you want to know if something's dangerous. Um, so, you want the ability for uh, to be able to spatially identify something out of the background in, in your environment, because it's going to confer a survival advantage to you. The other thing uh, we do when we differentiate out this sense data, I think is that we, we have this internal uh, way of doing it um, in, in the sense that we, we temporarily analyze the situation. So it's like we have these planning uh, uh, abilities. So we look into the future. So so we take this data and then we can we can use it to go and plan. Uh, of course, in the present, are there any present things that I need to be worried about? Or of course, in the past. So something happened in the past that thing didn't go particularly well. So so I'm going to then um, you know think about it and conceptualize it and and uh, you know uh, use it in this way use and and i think you could roughly classify these things as differentiation differentiating out and passing out that sense data and then of course the next step that's kind of built on top of that and these these fundamental things that are happening that i've just been talking about i think that they're the bit that we pretty much miss and th those are the things that are dictating the next step the next bit of stuff that's going to going to be going on and you can see like it, it's useful all of these things are useful from a survival point of view these are adaptions and they worked in a primordial environment that's why we're all still here in such huge numbers there's nothing inherently wrong with any of this there's nothing inherently uh, wrong with reaction so what once we've differentiated out <clears throat> these these things we have the, the spatial differentiation, which is the visual stuff, forms, so table, light, car, uh, lion, fucking gorilla, but whatever it is, then internal, it's like, okay, um, I'm hungry, so I'm going to go and plan to eat that gorilla in the future, and this is what I need to do. And we, we have that di differentiation and the, the planning ability. The next step is, is the reaction. So the reaction to the differentiation. So we've differentiated uh, the form of the dangerous animal out of the jungle. The next step is, is the reaction. How are we going to react to it? There's really um, two ways that we react, or three ways. If you think about it, there's three ways. The first way we, we react is that we're neutral. So whatever this information is, it doesn't matter. I don't care about it. It could be a tree blowing in the wind. It doesn't matter to me. The other thing that we do is we're attracted to it. So that looks good. There's um, uh, a bee's nest and I can get honey from it. 
or we're averse to it. We have an aversion to it, which means that it, it's not good. There's, there's a tiger, I'm going to run away, an aversion. That's the reactive process to, to the differentiation that goes on beneath uh, our conscious purview. I would make the argument personally that the reaction part, so the, the attraction or aversion, this, this uh, discriminatory function, because that's what you're doing. You're discriminating between the bits of data that have come from the differentiation part. I would argue that that part is mostly unconscious as well. Certainly, I think that it is in my, myself. And when I look at other people, I'm, I'm certain that it is. So, so because we live in such a complex situation with so much sense data and, and so many bizarre ways in which we've been taught to differentiate things, like cultural ways, ways from experience, uh, you can just imagine with humans how, how complex this is, right? Like there's so much going on, plus of our natural genetic proclivities to, uh, to this. The, the, the stuff that comes up and the way that we react to it is, is nuts. Like it's really nuts for most of us. Like we, we're just not good at handling all this stuff that's going on. And that's where you get this reaction. And the reaction is usually an attraction or an aversion to something. Um, and in many ways, I, I, you know, what really struck me was th this is the core of the Buddha's message. It, it often gets misconstrued, uh, particularly, um, you know, the statement that my life is suffering. I know you've probably heard that one. <clears throat> and um, this, this word in Buddhism is, is dukkha, which is uh, Pali. And it doesn't actually translate to suffering. This is a big thing that the esoteric geniuses on Twitter get wrong constantly. When they're having a go at Buddhism, they're like, Oh, he's, he's scared of suffering, man. Not like me. I'm the Nietzschean overman, bro. I'm not scared of suffering. But that's not the point the Buddha's making. And only a midwit thinks this. What the, what the Buddha's saying is exactly what I've been saying. So he's saying that um, dukkha is the feeling of unsatisfactoriness about something, which, which are, uh, if you think about it, <clears throat> are the... Uh, the, the reactions that we have towards the things that are going on, like outside of our conscious purview. And, and what I mean by that is responses that rise up within us. We have this reactivity, which, which are these responses that rise up within us when we're denied things that we want. That's the first one. Or the second one is when we're forced to endure things we don't want. That's, that's what the Buddha is describing. He's describing the feeling of dissatisfaction that arises from those two things. And that's what reactivity is, in essence. It's, it's the reaction we have. Let's think about that. That when we're denied things we want or forced to endure things we don't want. That's, that's what he meant by suffering. And, and when you sit in a formal meditation session, this is essentially what you're trying to master and overcome. So, so an example of this would be 
if, if I go on a hike, I leave a bottle of water in the car um, and I'm thirsty, well, I'm denied something I want and I'm forced to endure something that I don't want, being in this situation where I don't have water and I'm thirsty. So it doesn't need to be this great, like, oh man, like he just doesn't want to self-overcome, dude. Like it doesn't have to be like that. It, it, what he's describing is just a basic psychological fact. It can be larger scale. So it can be like, you know, emotional issues or not wanting to go out and confront the world. But why that's wrong is because the suggestion is, therefore, when your mindfulness, uh, when you practice mindfulness, and you become aware of these, these creativities, and these chains um, of reactivity, then then you uh, notice these patterns, and then you, you, you gain wisdom out of it, to steal from his kind of language. You, you gain the wisdom because you notice what's going on and then you no longer react in the way that you used to react to something or you gain some power over the, the reaction, which is normally for most humans, they're like, you know, they're like slugs getting, um, getting prodded with a soldering iron or something. Like they're, they're not really, then at no point to really, control themselves to that degree. So, so the Buddha is suggesting sitting because that's the way that you can do it. That's one way that you can overcome reactivity and therefore overcome, you know, quote unquote, suffering is that word again. It's just because of a word, people get the whole thing wrong. So, so that, that, that in a nutshell is, is kind of what I think is going on underneath, underneath the bonnet. This is why people don't have any free will whatsoever it's a fucking ridiculous concept and and as you were saying before even if you're uh, functioning well in the environment so just by accident because that's what it is it's just accident you had good parents good genes whatever it is that you're you know and you're in the right situation as well which is accident and you're going well at life doesn't really matter you you're still a reactive human you're just in a different situation than someone that was born to a drug addict or something, you know, you're, you're both the same system. It's just one by circumstance was, was lucky to inherit the things that they did. So I think the real power from these methods comes from taking away the chance and living life on your own terms. It's what Dr. Hyatt used to say. You, you start living and you're not lived anymore a little embarrassing sometimes. Witness the two fellows you're about to meet. Their names are Sando and Johnny. Now, they're brothers. Now, yes, now, by Germany. Strap yourselves in now, ladies. Just a minute. No, but the story of this song is very interesting because uh, it happened at 2 o'clock in the morning. This is a true thing. One brother woke the other brother and said, I have an idea for a song. He said, oh, come on. 2 o'clock in the morning. Uh, they got up. They lived, lived in a two-family house in Brooklyn. And they must have very understanding neighbors because they, they got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and they wrote this song and it turned into a very, very big hit. It's a thing called Sleepwalk. Ladies and gentlemen, Santo and Johnny.
That's a pretty thing. It's called sleepwalk. It's about, it's about living consciously in a self-directed and self-defined way. And, and that's why I, I do think that mindfulness is useful, even for people who are not Buddhists. Because as you can see in the, in the language I just used, there's nothing particularly mystical or, you know, like enlightenment, go and live in a fucking cave or whatever. Any old dickhead can use this. Any old dickhead can use this because it just gives you power over reactivity. Of course, there is a religious element. So if you want to go balls to the wall and seek enlightenment or something, then yeah, sure. That, that's a different matter. But I guess in the way I'm describing it, um, it, it's not, there's nothing particularly mystical about it. And, and in many ways, you know, I really feel the Buddha was like this proto psychiatrist slash physiologist. Like when you really look at what he suggests, particularly in light of your experience with his method, like this guy's fucking incredible. Like he figured this out two and a half thousand years ago. Like people still haven't got to the same level of sophistication that he did to be blunt particularly in his analysis, which is just cold, like just bang on, bang on analysis. I've never read one as good. Maybe, maybe Nietzsche, you know, he comes close, but uh, yeah, anyway, that's my, my round. Sorry, I hope that, <laughs> that made sense because I just realized I've been talking for fucking 20 minutes straight. So I, uh, I, hope, that, you know, I hope it wasn't. It's good. Uh, so you, yeah. you, uh, so like if you mentioned what you earlier about, you know, the, you, what you think of as you, you know, before you start doing this stuff yeah. is in itself, uh, just a set of reactions. So yeah. you have like a yeah. reactive feeling yeah. and sensation, and then you have a feeling of yourself, a sensation of you that the weight of this sensation that you just noticed in your hand or whatever, um, all these things just react one after another. And, uh, there's a certain collection of reactions as a sort of constellation of sensations and feelings and uh, internal dialogue and all these things that you just label as you, as me, as just, that's yeah. the feeling of me. And then when you start doing either this, uh, where you start seeing the different parts that you start, um, and uh, what's the right word? It's kind of untangling the different mm -hmm. sensations and separating them out, differentiating between them. And then you realize that, oh, there wasn't this thing that I thought was me, this fixed thing I thought was me was actually just this process of all these different sensations and feelings there. There's a kind of pattern yeah. and I just was, that's what I assumed it was. And now I'm picking it apart, fuck, there's nothing left. Uh, well, there is something left, but it's not what you think, or, you know, this yeah. is the, the way people talk about it. You, know, you can either go down the no self route or you can say true self, it doesn't really make any difference. You're, it's not the self that you thought was yourself that's yeah, left. Exactly. Um, yeah. And you, uh, by picking that apart, then you, because it's such a basic level of your existence, your awareness, that the other types of not reacting come easier then. So you, you find it easier not to just react to someone annoying you in the same way as you would before, you know, like someone that you argue with all the time or, um, a certain situation that drives you to drink alcohol or whatever it is, you just find yourself not doing it anymore because th those larger social reactions were built on top of this 
um, these lower react, these um, more basic reactions of I, it, I, it, you know, me, world, me, world, you know, when you start picking apart that, you, the foundation for a lot of your human bullshit just falls away, which is good. Uh, but in the process of that happening, sometimes it makes people feel like they're going mad because uh, they are breaking apart in many ways. And if you're trying to cling on to that little step, if you're trying to make the changes and do the work while holding on to the old original um, constellation of reactions that feel like you, me, I, um, then you'll suffer a lot. You'll suffer much more than you need to. Um, and yeah, the, that was a big aha for me when I was reading about Buddhism a while ago is that the like you mentioned there the the real um translation is unsatisfactoriness not suffering so like uh that's just somebody translated as that and then everyone just went along with it and i mean even nietzsche had, had a misunderstanding mm-hmm. of buddhism also and spengler spengler did it too i think that they both got it wrong they, um, there was only limited like, people yeah. didn't know know that much about it then really. yeah and, yeah, well, yeah. And, um, justifiably i'm not criticizing it's just yeah. you know the information they had at the time yeah um and yeah like the the buddhist st- i mean it is like with the buddhist own stuff it is really like hardcore practical um uh empirical and and like on on um so like when you read like the i can't say this the what's the name of the maha thing maha Satipatthana? Mahasatipatthana. So when you read that, it's like, you know, I, you know, this does not belong to me. This does not, this does, this does not belong to me. This, I am not, uh, this is not my ego, you know, but every single little thing that you experience. That's like way just um, the opposite of going into dramas about hierarchies of deities and all like, none of that stuff. It's just like what is happening right now. And what is the relationship between what you think of as you and what you think of as it happening to you? And then by looking at that long enough, uh, those your old constellation of reactions uh, changes or becomes something bigger. Even though that's not the right way to say it. It's um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it kind of fl- I don't know what happened to me. Was it there was a it was like a flipping? I like flipped inside out. It's the only way to say it. There was like the what I thought of was me was, you know, spatially was like in my head, in the middle of my head, curled up. I didn't realize how curled up and tightened like a ball it was until after it went away. But there was this little eye inside my head and there was like a feeling in the chest, a kind of um, tight uh, sensations in the chest, which later I, saw, I realized I unpicked was like a sort of panic. And it was like a sort of a panic feeling, but I didn't know it was a panic feeling. So there was the panic feeling combined with a little voice, you know, me, uh, I am, you know, where the where the voice is happening inside me. And it seemed to be in behind my eyes and in my head. And that was the main thing in my existence was that. And that's this is what it is for most people if they don't practice, I think. Uh, and then there's the world outside, which isn't really the main thing. It was like, I'm the big thing, the me and the voice. And, you know, this is like this, you know, you can call it the ego or whatever. Um, so that was going on. And then when doing all this type of practices, it's not then I was doing, but a mix of other stuff, uh, it just kind of flipped for me and that I was, the main thing was now the world and outside. And then the, that feeling of me is just a little thing inside now. So it was like, a, it was like, um, they just swapped places, but there's still the, 
there's still the sensation, the constellation of reactions and sensations appear that like is more or less me, but it's nothing like that me before, which seemed to be the center of everything. Now it's like my awareness is much more outside me now. It's like, and, and it's, things are where they are. Like I'm looking at a, a green hedge just now in the back garden. It's, it's there. Whereas before I'm in my head going, I'm me, there's a hedge, I'm me, there's a hedge. There's none of that now. It's just the hedge. And now a feeling of, of death in my chest, me. It's just all one thing happening one after another, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a, it, it is kind of reactions, but it's not the same thing. I'm not fighting it. I'm not um, constantly comparing what's happening with what I wish to be happening. Uh, you know, like uh, that you know, the being forced to do things you don't want to do and not getting the thing that you do want. Uh, there's a sort of, when you, that basic levels of reaction, the basic level of reactions, once you start picking that apart, those, it just, that was obviously not fuel for that, but it's more like it's this, it's the structure upon which those other things are built on. And then when you pick it apart, it just falls away. But you're not left with yeah. nobody. Yeah. You're left with, <laughs> you, you, this is the debate so you, you, it's not that so like I, I I go in and out of whether no self is the right way to say it but I know what it means and the, I know the self it's not but it's, it, sometimes it feels more like you're just everything rather than nothing but that's saying the same thing yeah. it doesn't mean it doesn't mean anything <laughs> it's like no. not, you know, you, <laughs> there's the yeah. the thing that's being aware of all the reactions and sensations the yeah. awaiting yeah, yeah. the awaiting thing is um outside of all of the things uh even that's the wrong way to say it because it implies here and it like it's you, just, you can't say it because it's it's the thing that's driving me to say these things just now um so i can't point back at it yeah this is just like total nonsense to somebody who doesn't who has no, no, no. When, when, they've done, <laughs> when you've done it you, you get yeah. what, people will know what i'm talking about it's yeah. um and it, you know it's hard to talk about yeah that that's the key so a lot of like, I don't want anyone to accept what I'm saying linguistically. Um, what, what Kevin and I are talking about, like they're, they're things that you, you can experience. They're non, non-linguistic, uh, empirical, non-philosophical, non-religious, basically experiences, um, or yeah, con- conscious experiences. And, and it's very hard to, elaborate them like because they're not they're not you know language is very poor uh in doing that which is you know it, it's funny too because language will cause uh, you know my, many of your problems in trying to get to this place so if you try to analyze it or explain it too much that's just going to get in the way of even being able to get to the place but i, I would say this so the we're looking at it now. So, so you're saying that your mind was basically differentiating things. So, so it had this, I guess what you you call a soup of data. Um, so a soup of data, which was hedge Kevin and all the sensory stuff that goes into creating that, um, uh, perceived impression. And then that was turned into a, a conceptual uh, set of things. So there was the hedge. There was uh, Kevin behind the eyes with the, the contracted, serious forehead. 
where all the energy that's is him. bound up because that's, that's the, that's the self, isn't it? And yeah. the new Kevin <clears throat> has the lines in his forehead to prove that yeah. the old Kevin had, <laughs> had, had the serious face, serious forehead. <laughs> yeah. And, and then uh, the interesting thing about this process of um, differentiation, the thing, the same process where you, you pull a lion out of the background for a survival purpose is that's also what uh, I believe creates the duality that people talk about and non-duality. So you've got this thing, Kevin in the hedge, and now you've just got hedge. So most people have Kevin in the hedge because that that's the process of differentiation that's going on all the time, which leads to this, you know, the subject object uh, dichotomy, which people always talk about. Um, and you get these, these, uh, these dual differences. So, you know, life and death, um, everything else and me. And of course, the most pervasive differentiation is um, myself or my soul. The soul is a good one. That's going to piss people off as, as distinct from everything else. But of course, that's just... Um, something that the organism does as a survival adaption it doesn't mean that that's the actual reality of what the thing is of what the situation is and um that's important so when when we talk about the the self uh going away <laughs> or or changing in what what it is so that reactive self it's because you've got a handle on this differentiation mechanism in the brain so you're no longer uh a contracted self inside and then there's everything else outside through meditation you've you've uh realized the limitations of these differentiations and these objectified things that you've created um in your mind because that's what the self is it's no different to passing you know Differenti differentiating something in, in the environment it's the same process it's all the same process part of what what meditation does when you get to a higher level which is what kevin's describing is is that you that thing goes away and the the, the subject and object barrier which is is a bit of a, an illusion it's not real not completely objectively real it's a useful tool but it's not real it's not the real situation that goes away and then there is a non-dual presence now you might be able to call that a self i don't like it though because because it there's too much there's too many connotations about about what that is a, a self i i've thought you know i've thought about words you could use maybe, maybe you could say the, the total organism in space or something i mean <laughs> honestly i don't know how you'd say it but yeah but the, even, the self even the space, completely unsatisfactory even yeah, the word space is, is problematic in this yeah, space yeah, space yeah. seems to yeah. appear and disappear as well you know it can fit like a expand contract kind of thing it doesn't like in when in terms of the practice of it uh sure. you know and then what you the relationship call it awareness between... awareness yeah. is what it's usually referred to as i guess isn't it awareness or um <clears throat> you could you could you know there's, there's words in 
in Buddhist philosophy, um, like in, in the Zen tradition, they call it the original face. Uh, they, they call it the, the unborn. <laughs> it, it's something, um, but whatever it is, it's not that contracted, reactive uh, self. And because the reactions that we have before we do any of this work are so familiar, they happen all the time in the same way, then that gives us this feeling, feeling of continuity. And that continuity is the thing that people get really angry about me and, and you disputing that, it, that it's actually a thing. And it's not until you break down the, the wrongful perception of continuity, because continuity is not a thing either. Things are always changing. Even if you're, you have entrenched patterns that are very regular, that even they on some level are not continuous. And, and when all these things start to break down, then, then it becomes obvious what we're talking about, how there's no continuous me in here and everything else out there in, in the same way that we, we tend to think. Um, so yeah, anyway, that, that just my, my feelings. On yeah, the con yeah. continuous, yeah, the, the, uh, the feeling or the, 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 the perspective I have, or the way of talking about now, the continuous aspect to it is more like uh, everyone is in, has their own kind of stream of experiences. There's like separate, you're having one stream of experiences, I'm having one here. Um, There's a continuity in that sense that it, like somebody else's uh, hedge experience is not just suddenly intruding on mine. It, um, but it's not like you are, there's no like you separate from this that's sitting watching going on here watching unless you do techniques to build up one of those. But it's not, it's not like, it's not in the same way as the one you, as the one you habitually think or the one that you're kind of, um, everyone just, or most people, at least nowadays, um, are born with, or not, maybe not born with, but uh, develop, uh, and which is the reason why everyone's driven to do all these techniques um, and chase awakening and those type of things. So, I mean, like uh, in the Buddhist uh, and the Indian uh, tradition, it's like awakening makes sense as a me metaphor because you're there, you know, like it's a dream your understanding of yourself is like a dream. You think you're this you, but really you're just dreaming this separate you and it's not there. And then you wake up from the dream. Um, you could have different, there's different metaphors, you know, enlightenment is a slightly different metaphor because you're, you know, darkness to light. But again, that's similar to sleeping to waking. Um, but you, like before doing all this, the any kind of practices, I had this kind of vague idea that, to like they when they're talking about awakening enlightenment it is it's like there's still you here now but then you explode out into this bigger realm with all this other stuff and you it's like you you're going to see all this more stuff than than is here but actually what happens is you just see what's here differently or more of what's here or you see you stop seeing things yeah. that are here that aren't actually here like you're this little continuous self it's separate from things it's watching. But really, if you just spend enough time looking at the feel, even if you think of this, think of the words, I am. So if you just say to yourself, I am, you have a kind of feeling when you say that I am, you kind of maybe, where's the sensations kind of maybe in your chest. I feel my, my finger pointing at myself. I am, here I am. 
you have a lot of words or repeating summer I am, but you can break all those down into the words that I am. No matter how quick I say it, there's like a little bit, 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 different things. There's a, it's jumping in and out of words to sensations and stuff. And I'm just calling all that I am, but really it was just a set of reactions to the saying, deciding to say the phrase I am. Uh, what is it? there's there's some kind of awareness that's continuous, but it's not it's not separate from the um, the thing it's aware of. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is we're stuck in language, we're stuck in the 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 way language is the um, yeah, thing you yeah. can't really get out of it. And uh, this is I think this is why a lot of them, a lot of people into the stuff, uh, you know, they'll do the vow of silence and. And that kind of thing, because part of what's maintaining the false idea of yourself is is your the structures of language, and so stopping speaking will reduce it a little bit, uh, not all of yeah, it. One of think. the rules, just quickly, one of the rules of this session is you don't have mirrors. You can't look at a mirror. Just just thought I'd add that in. Interesting. Yeah. So that's you can't. So that mean you can't maintain that habit of you this separate self identified with the body shape. Is that right? Yeah, I I I think particularly the face, mm. particularly the face. Yeah, because it's very much tied up. You have up a set of reactions as soon yeah. as you see a face. Yeah. Your face, you have a set of reactions. I mean, your feeling of you for what like since mirrors have been invented is our sense, our collection of sensations and feelings and reactions that we think of as me will be different from people who've had mirrors all their life because they're that's that's it's being influenced by that or, or molded by that you're you're more you're well first of all it's a kind of externalized version of you so you're already separating out um you know in a weird way so you're i can see why you would you would want to ban that um it that would go along with the not speaking um as ways to reduce these are kind of amplifiers to your false self identity so why have the amplifiers around you're better just to not have them and then some of the dietary restrictions is like this as well because if you eat certain things you're you have more feeling of alive well who is it that feels alive it's your false sense of self it's more alive now so it's even harder for you to detach from that to do the work so that's like maybe part of the reason why they have the strict diets to make people weak uh in that sense <laughs> uh no yeah, absolutely yeah. i'm not I'm not promoting that and I don't do that myself, but I think that's the kind of mechanics of that um, as a technique, but like everything else that became a moralism and it became, you know, it's the, it became all about models later, but really probably just a hardcore technique to make something happen, to help something happen for some people, not everybody. Um, but of course, everybody wants the rule to be for everybody. You know, this, I've decided what's good. Everyone else has to do it too, because that's what's good is. Um, but um, as far as the uh, the reactivity is, the I just think in general people are better by working at this level of your reactions is is uh, a better thing to do than to try and um, fantasize and delude yourself that you're going to change your life in all these different ways. Which what is your life? It's made up of patterns of reactions, and you're not going to change them you better it's better just to go to the code of it and the find change it at the deeper level yeah yeah you, you need to um short circuit it somehow and if, if you think about it uh, from that point of view 
sitting still for 10 hours a day is pretty much the antithesis to reactivity. Like that's like going, nah, nah, you're not gonna, you're not gonna react. <laughs> that's, that's like it. That's just about as unreactive as you can be. Quite literally. And your reactions will be is, like a little, like a little kid who's been ignored. You know, tugs the shirt, yeah. ignored, tugs the yeah. shirt a bit harder, tugs it more. Yeah. It gets more and more. Keep like, trying, more motherfucker. More loud, Keep trying. More loud, more <laughs> aggressive, more stomping the feet, and yeah. yeah, until you um eventually do it because he'll he'll pay attention. He'll he'll pay attention to me eventually because he always has. So like, if you're forcing yourself to sit for that long, um then you have your it's inevitable all these things are going to come up and that's not even including all the games the emotional games people play with themselves to avoid yeah, right. experiencing certain yeah. feelings that that you're gonna they're all gonna come in too because you've kept them all under the surface until now because you're going about your daily business reacting to your favorite things yeah yeah you do play games with yourself too absolutely you do everything you do everything you know boys like i remember when i first started meditating i'm like how the fuck did he come up with this like like who who would have thought to sat there uh, to sit there and just like you know do all this stuff and i'm like now i think about it it's the most obvious thing you could imagine so like if you're if you're a bundle of reactions that can't sit still and is you know um like your your movements are bound up with with thoughts and you know there's all this stuff going on that then it seems actually rather obvious that the way to overcome that would just be to sit still like completely still which is which is what you've got to do in in zazen and, and i would imagine other traditions as well um is sitting still and then all this stuff comes up and it gets it just all, all these things erupt and well as an analogy this, where they've before been able it's to obvious to you yeah, I mean, being able <clears throat> to stand still would have saved our ancestors' lives at one point. You know, you they see a creature, yeah. and uh, they see like a you know some kind of animal, saber-toothed tiger, say, and then you can run well, it'll catch you. You can fight, it'll probably beat you, uh, and you know unless you're like you're good with weapons, whatever, which people would do. Uh, but the third option would be to freeze and hope it doesn't see you, and it just carries on. So like you, you're you're wanting to react and do something, and you're consciously inhibiting your reaction by not reacting by not doing the things not running or making a sound or whatever even though a whole bunch of you wants wants to do that so by inhibiting that then you might have saved your life so that you're getting a little bit more conscious every time you do that um yeah. maybe the 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 our ancestors who were better able to do that were the ones that survived you know that may be the for all we know there was something like that was the difference between the ones that survived and the ones that didn't the ice age or whatever well, actually that not, is a theory not many people uh, just quickly on that, that that is a theory that they are considering seriously for the development of um of self-referential consciousness was actually pausing um the first Perfect. Uh, hominid that paused. So you're right, and it was it was in um, the the Adam Gazelli book, uh, the distracted mind that I. Oh, okay. Well, this is so where, he, it's where a I serious see theory. Yeah. Oh, good to look up. So like, um, <laughs> because he, because what you're saying there about the reacting and the meditation framework, then is you are, it's just that skill taken to the next level, basically. So you. You're surviving as the you know quote lower biological organism in the by not being eaten by the t the tiger, uh, but you're still 
just living being lived by all the reactions that are built into you by you know genetics early upbringing environment language whatever uh but then later you you by sit making yourself sit, sit still when you don't have to you're now making a choice you're intervening in your other reactions because no one wants to sit down and meditate for 20 minutes they always want to do something else you know like you or you know like when they're starting they always want to do something else you have to go against reactions in order to start practicing going against reactions. You know, it's already against you right at the start. Um, and then you get more control of yourself. You're able to inhibit things. You're able to make yourself do something that you you uh, might not want to do. Um, then this gets into who's the one making you doing that? Is that another reaction? Well, it might be. Maybe that you're, you only get into meditation because you want to impress a girl. This is true for many guys. Or you want to, or you think it's, um, you know, you want to be around the the girls or the whoever, maybe it's yoga or whatever. So like you're, uh, you might get into some kind of self work through pure reactions, but then by doing the work, then you start to break apart the reactions, and then you actually make real progress. So I don't have a moralistic problem with why people get into things. You know, like um, it can be some kind of self serving, selfish vice. But if someone starts doing the work, who cares what the reason was they started? You know, um. So as far as like our our uh, ancestors, you know, they, they had to develop this to survive. And then later at some point, all the different traditions at some point, they seem to have some kind of techniques and practices and traditions where people intentionally force themselves to sit still or be silent or do very specific things with their body that are against their surface reactions in order to have more power over the reactions and to break have a little bit more freedom it doesn't mean you have total free will it just means you're not restricted to one reaction to every event you can now maybe do three things in that situation or you can not do anything in that situation which again is pausing and then that opens you in a new situation now you can do more things in this new situation and, and so on um so it just seems like it's a natural this, the quote spiritual angle of it just seems like a natural development of the quote physical uh, yeah. part of it. I think you just, just figured it out. Yeah. It's just like a, a spectrum kind of thing. Although, yeah. as someone said on Twitter the other day, spectrum, <laughs> it's just people just say spectrum when they don't know what they're talking about. So they hopefully everything just gets covered. <laughs> everything I say gets covered yeah. in their spectrum. Yeah, so. yeah. But, um, yeah. but I think the two things are. I mean, I don't think it's. I don't think everything was just physical, and then we became spiritual later. I don't. I think the two things are the two ways of looking at it have always been intertwined, and the expressions would be different. But anyway, from normal human thinking about history, normal Western modern person thinking about history, uh, it's useful to think in terms of that uh, everything higher comes from something lower, uh, or even that's the wrong way to say it. But it's like. Uh, you can't separate this the spiritual and the physical, the you know, psychological and the physical, the mind body, all these things. All these things, you're un the whole idea of the mind body split by doing something like the Zen meditation, you're unraveling that split. You're it's not that you're joining them back together, because to join them back together is also the wrong way to think about it. It's like because there isn't the two separate things that need stitched together in that way. Yeah, they're already the, there. You're already noticing yeah. what's there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, like, I mean, talking about it, on one level, you can't talk about it because it's nonverbal. It's beyond words, and the language by 
design, let's call it, is for distinguishing things and separating things. So that's what it's for. You know, like words mean one thing, not something else, or at least they used to. Um, so you, uh, you're not going to you're not going to use that to put things back together. However, you can sort of unfold the, if you're doing practices and the experiences, you can kind of unfold what's happening into language as long as you go back to the the reality again after. And the reality is just at the basic level is just sensations, different types of sensations. There really isn't. Yeah. In the middle, yeah. you go from the sensations and the experience of what's happening around you to all concepts and stuff, which are really just designed to help you um, reorganize and have better sensations, set of sensations. So in one sense, really all this practice and meditation is really just because you're unhappy with the current constellation of reactions and sensations you're having, something unsatisfying about it in general, and you're driven to use concepts and ideas and practices to try and reorganize it. And then one day you're just like, oh, it's different now. Uh, and you have a different view of the whole thing. Yeah. And then yeah, you can go inside um, and call it enlightenment if you want, or you can just go, I was a total reactive idiot before, and now I'm less bad. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was funny that, you know, the Zen master actually mentioned the, the same thing <clears throat> during one of his speeches or sermons, I guess, whatever you want to call it. And he, um, he did say, you know, pe people you know, don't come to this unless they feel like, you know, often people will say, you know, if if you're in pain or you know something like that, or you've got something going on, or but it's also the feeling of you know just just something's not right. I think you're aware that something is off about the whole thing, and that's very much the reason people are driven to it. Yeah, I mean, you have yeah, to, I why, think you're right. why did all these people do come up with these techniques in the first place? Yeah. Like the ancient Hindu yeah. stuff, the like a. Why are the like all these different countries, even like the African tribes, now have like the crazy dances to get out of their own mind? You know, like they they have like the always of transcending the human condition. Why are they doing that? Because they're not happy with the mm. human condition. Humans aren't mm. like other animals that just um, go about animaling. Humans are doing that too, but they also have this other thing. It's like uh, you know, um, you don't see, uh, you know, you don't see lizards releasing online courses. No, you don't. Not, not even not even on government right. not even government yeah. so like uh there's something else going on and it's just must be that people just weren't satisfied with uh, the human condition oh, and totally part yes. of the human condition may simply be that kind of being unsatisfied wanting to transcend itself mm. which is um which is what enlightenment Ooh, good. quote and awakening quote are is transcending your 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 old conception of self you yeah. Uh, there's some debate, you know, some people debate whether you just go through new conceptions that then need transcended of self, you know, and it's like some people say it's never ending, other people say no, there's like an end to it. Um, I'm I'm not qualified and or stupid enough to try and give my opinion on this. I, I'm stupid enough, if you want to hear my theory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> not, not even remotely qualified. <laughs> but, but